I want to look at a guy and in his time of moments of decision by the name of Peter. You'll see there in your handout uh, the verses that we're going to be looking at. It is uh, really very much a timely talk for the world we live in today. Because all of us go through times of decision every day from the time you wake up through the day. It's all based on those moments. Some of them are very quiet. Some of them are very challenging. Some of them draw us closer and some of them pull us apart. But they are decisions. They're moments of decisions that we uh, walk through and we uh, try to hold our armor strong and make the right decision. And then all of a sudden we find out there's something about us that needs some fixing. And this guy by the name of Peter was there. He saw the feeding of the 5,000. He was there walking on the water. He was there, uh, great miracles, things that took place that Jesus did. And uh, he came to grips with himself. And then in coming grips with himself, he realized even more how his humanness, about how human he really was and how he was touched by things that he didn't really understand. And so we pick it up now in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32, he says this, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, in other words, I want to get your attention, Simon, Satan, the enemy of, of your life, has asked for you, and he wants to sift you as wheat. But I pray for you that your faith will fail not. And when you return, strengthen the brethren, or strengthen those in the, in the community. Later, he writes his own two books in 1 Peter and 2 Peter because as you watch his story, he, he fails. He, uh, in the time of his life, he fails. He says, Lord, I'll never forsake you. And the Lord says, you're going to forsake me, and he does. And then he comes back to God. Maybe, possibly like some of us, that those, those times when we need to and we must come back to God in our moments of decision. And you see, when we talk about being set free... It really is being set free of things in our past and things that we need to deal with, such as Peter did, to where he had to come to grips with himself. And when he came to grips with himself, he realized that the Lord really was on his side, that the Lord really was making up the difference, that the Lord was really looking out for his behalf, that the Lord was uh, really saying, you know, Peter, you don't have to go this route, but where you're at right now, I want to help you. And in that help... He comes back to him. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober. In other words, keep your mind clean of anything that distracts. Be vigilant because your adversary, the one that's really against you, the, the devil, is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so it comes down there, may devour is the power of our own choice. We're not without choice in the matter. So during our time of sharing this morning is really sharing and challenging us about things that we wish we could hide, things that we could put aside, things that always seem to show up, things that people see. Some years ago, my wife, she's very uh, uh, tight with our money, I'll put it that way, which is a good thing. And so she likes a good deal, whether it's shoes, whatever it is, a good deal. So she came across this lime green suitcase. This lime green suitcase is really interesting when you're my size and you are going through the airport and you got the lime green going on behind you, it gets everybody's attention. And, and is attention really you don't want? Some attention is good. But when you got a lime green suitcase, I was just glad she didn't get me some wild hot pink color or something like that. But you got the lime green suitcase 
And uh, there's times that all of us have a lime green suitcase. There's times in our life that we walk through, we remember things that come up to remind us of times past. And there's things that I keep in here, really I could fill a, fill a whole platform full of lime green suitcases of things I'd like to forget or things that bring pain to me or things that I wish I could get over and things that I need to acknowledge at 53 years old and being a follower for 38 years that I need to just really just leave it alone. Just give it up. Leave it there. One of them is back in the day. You ever heard that saying? Back in the day. I have in my lime green suitcase size 34. It will never happen again. <laughs> you might as well give it up and enjoy where you're at in life and don't spare any pizzas. Let's go ahead and enjoy it while you're here on this planet, the lime green suitcase. And then there was a time I thought I was a bit invincible as a young man, as a teenager. I tried out for sports and really the sports I went out for, wrestling and football, I really did well at. I mean, uh, so I thought anything, I could do just any kind of sports. So I went out for basketball. Now, basketball was really interesting to me because I could never really get there. I went out for trials, tryouts, and uh, they, would, they lined up, and they put you out to see your skills. So I, my skill was boom, boom, going down the court. Guys in my way, you just give them a shoulder uh, shrug, and <laughs> they just couldn't take it. You know, they just fall out and make a big scene. They were drama queens about the whole thing. Can't take a little <laughs> hit. And so as time went on, Honestly, time went on two minutes. The coach said, Santos, you're cut. I said, coach, I got five days. Your days are up. You're out of here. From there, I went to wrestling and did pretty well at that. When I was a freshman, when I was a freshman, I was about 6'2". I'm now about 6'4", but I was a freshman. I weighed about 250. And so that was big for a kid who's 14 years old. You're playing football. And uh, for some reason, they put me on the line, so I played offensive, defensive line. <laughs> And so in playing on the line, I had dreams. I had great, great dreams of someday uh, playing for the best football team in the NFL and historically, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and so I uh, dreamed about those things, talked about those things. And I, I, here we are in my freshman year, the championship game. We're down on the two-yard line, little city league. We're down on a two-yard line, 30 seconds left. And all they have to do is, as they say, punch it in, and they win. Well, they would do this, this V coming right at me. They didn't get it just right. I pushed these, these two guys aside, and at the very second, caught that ball just as he was tossing it to the uh, uh, tailback. And I started running. My chubby body quivered and sh shook, and jam couldn't shake any better. I ran up that field. I was running and running. All of a sudden, I heard feet behind me. Have you ever been in life where you feel like somebody's right behind you? And so I just kept going and going and going. Just as I got down to about the two-yard line, this little, de this little running back kind of guy, about 150 pounds, 180 pounds, jumps on my back, grabs me by the back of my shoulder pads, plants his, lay his feet right in the back of my thighs, and starts rolling me down. And I'm trying to carry the little guy. I could have slapped the daylights out of the guy. Just as I was going over the line, he grabbed my arm, and another gra guy grabbed my arm, and I missed it when your best just isn't good enough, you see? And I did, that's the way I felt all. <laughs> so what happens during those times when all your dreams, when you think you're going to get back your youth from when you were just a, in great shape, you run marathons, I've run two half marathons, you run marathons, you lift, you do all those kind of things, and you just give up and just eat the pizza. 
What happens during those times when all your dreams, you got cut off the team? They didn't want you to play anymore. They didn't want you there anymore. And so you get cut. You feel like, hey, I thought I could handle anything, but now you really can't. Or when you are caught from behind and everybody is chasing you, wants what you got, and they kind of hurt your dreams. Let me ask you these questions. Answer them within yourself and just kind of think about them, meditate on them. Have you ever failed? Have you ever failed a class? Flunked out on a test? Dropped a class? Been cut from? Messed up an audition? Been rejected in life? Ever had a weekend of drunkenness? Ever had a date that pushed you aside? Ever zoned out? Have you ever been zoned out of the job interview? Have you blown that job interview? Just felt like you washed out? Lost your best job in your life? You were fired. When your life isn't going according to plans, your academics, your finances, the person you love dies, people you weren't able to straighten out things with move away, you just feel like you blew it. Here's this guy, Peter. Two main points I want to share with you. The first one, as we look at this guy named Peter, he challenges us in those times we need some freedom. He challenges us and he pushes us in a way to get us to remember that uh, there's things we're going to go through that really kind of block life. Now, we can go from A to Z, but I just want to take a few of them. The first one is this. The first one's anger. Anger is circumstances that we cannot control, things that we need to be free of. Anger. Circumstances that we just cannot control. Here we see this Peter, a lot like you and I, a guy who really wants to follow the right way and do the right thing, and the Lord reminds him, you're going to be sifted. You're going to go through decision-making times. You're going to go through times that you have to decide exactly what are you going to do? Who can you blame? You see, when you spell blame, it's really spelled be lame. Who are you going to put fault to for your shortcomings? Who's going to be the person, Peter, or who's going to be the person? Put your name there. When we let anger, which is, can be very destructive. Now, there's different kind of angers. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, verse 26, and he said, uh, be angry and sin not. In other words, there's some things you just need to stand up for. But then he says, in the same chapter, Verse 27, he says, don't go to bed. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Why is that? Because the next morning you'll wake up even madder and not really realize what you're angry for. I was raised close to the city of Cleveland, Ohio, and my dad drank a lot. And in his uh, time of drinking, he became irresponsible at his work. And being irresponsible at his work, I have a brother that's a year older than me and another brother that's seven years older than me. Uh, my, we went to school one morning in, in 69 and thereabouts, and uh, when we came back that night, my dad was gone. The anger that started to build up in me as a, as a kind of a gregarious, outgoing kind of kid was that all of a sudden I became drawn within. I became angry about that. I was being sifted. Something I dreamed. Something, you know, you, I started to think, well, every man, every guy or person I start to like, will they just walk away from me? Well, they just take another route when I was dependent on them to be the route with me. I can remember as a kid being uh, one of the few kids back in the early 70s that didn't have a dad in the stands. There was another guy. His dad passed away. And so it just became a thing of we didn't have anybody in the stands. And so in my life, I started to see this anger would come up because I didn't have anybody who would say, man, Hal, this is the direction. This is the way you need to go. I, you really need to do it this way. And so that was kind of my story. 
The next one is B, for bitterness. When we talk about being free, these things we need to be free from, one is anger, and the second one is bitterness. Bitterness is circumstances we or I hold on to. I hold on to them, and I let them become a part of my fiber. In Luke chapter 21, or 22, verse 31, he says, you're going to be, Simon, you're going to be sifted. What is he saying? He said, you're going to be challenged on other areas of life, not just today, but other areas. You're going to be challenged to forgive people. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, we see where Peter comes up again, and the Lord deals with him and says, Peter, uh, why don't you forgive? Peter was one of those, we'll see, in the Gospels where he wanted to, with another disciple, called on fire from heaven and just get rid of people who had gotten his way, you know? Good friend. And Peter now looks to the Lord and says, Lord, I'll forgive him. You ever feel good about yourself and you start to sense the Lord correcting you? He says, Lord, I'll forgive him seven times. I'll forgive him seven times. You know, kind of in his lifetime, the Lord said, no, you need to forgive seven times 70. 490 times in a lifetime? No, in a day. <laughs> when you leave this place, there's going to be 490 times you get to forgive. And man, this is the horn honkingest city I've ever been in. <laughs> it's fun, it's energy. So it really becomes about forgiveness. It becomes when we harbor something, we get disappointed. Now, here's a principle you might want to write down in your Bible or on your, on your notes there is this. If I'm not careful, I will resemble what I resent. When I start to resent someone or a situation, a circumstance, hold on to it so tight. Hold on to that green suitcase and say, oh, I don't want this dealt with. I don't deal with it. Sometimes we're not happy till we're unhappy because we want to really hang on to this resentment. And when we hang on to it, then we start to realize we act just like the person or circumstance that really took the shot at us, that really hurt us, that really triggered that hot point in us, that really we felt took advantage of us. And he brings it down to, he says, forgive. That means don't let your past control your future. Don't let what happened yesterday bring dark clouds on you today. Peter, pay attention here, because when you're being sifted, it's going to be a time where you must decide in that moment. It might be quiet. It might be horns honking. It might be TVs blaring, songs going off. There's a moment of decision. The next one is confusion. Circumstances that puzzle me. Here is Peter. He's a bit puzzled. And he drifts away, drifts away from the Lord. And when you read 1 Peter chapter 1, the first few verses, he deals with, oh, but the grace. Thank God for his grace. When Hal Santos gets out there where he's not supposed to be, when you get out there where we really shouldn't be, in that moment of decision, and then we have to decide, we need to come back. Peter comes back and he says, oh, but the grace and the love. When I read the Bible, I try to hear these people's voices as they breathe, and the love of Jesus Christ. Something begins to transform because I remember as a child we were raised uh, poor because I didn't find that out until I moved away and went to college and, and all that kind of thing. And so uh, 
We used to, my mom, we used to have green stamps, where these green stamp books, some, most of you here don't remember that, but green stamp books, and then you could get pop bottles. Back then you get two cents for a, a 16 ounce and five cents for a 32 ounce, and so we'd collect pop bottles, take them back, and we'd get money. So we would buy these puzzles for my mom, because my mom loved being raised by a single parent. She worked two full-time jobs trying to keep it all together. And uh, we would get these puzzles. And so you set up the box when you do a puzzle. And you look at that puzzle box, that lid, and you make the puzzle. And as you're making the puzzle, sometimes the pieces don't fit. And so this one time, I couldn't sleep one night. And I got up early in the morning. I came downstairs. And here was this puzzle with the box. And the corners were there and the side pieces. And, but this, this particular puzzle had 50,000 leaves to it. And as you put those leaves, oh, they all kind of looked, you ever been so puzzled? It all kind of looks the same. And when it all kind of looks the same, it doesn't quite fit. There is a remedy. Scissors. <laughs> clip, clip. Man, it would fit nice. Fit nice. And so I started to see that with a few clips, I could actually change the future of the picture plan. How many times do we, in our time of confusion, our lime green suitcase shows up and we feel confused because we have now clipped it out to where it's going to fit into our plan and not the design plan? That's a moment of decision. Well, we let everything else, those puzzle pieces, and so the divorce we went through and the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the painful moments, all those things, I learned one principle through this worthy of writing down. It's this. I'm not always responsible for the circumstance I'm in. In other words, I can't decide who my parents are, who my brother or sister is, where I was raised as a kid, so on and so forth. I'm not always responsible for the circumstance that I hold on to, that I seem to have control me, but I am responsible for my response. As I get older, as you get older, there's not a whole lot you can do about who mom and dad was. I say that kindly. I have a daughter and a grandson. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can do about how I was raised. When I was raised, when I, after I became a Christian, became a Christ follower, I took a test. At 15 years old, I couldn't read above a second grade level. But then I started to be painfully honest with myself. And then I graduated with high marks and then went to Bible college with honors, high marks, A's. And then I went working on my master's degree with high marks. It really comes down to this. Not that the A or the high marks is what the goal is. The goal is dealing with me. You see, the goal always, really, of Christ comes down to us. He designs things in such a way to where he reveals the green suitcase to us that we can be changed no other way than to go through what I'm going through. It's painful. The Bible says the truth will set us free. He never said it was painless, but it was liberating. So the transition comes to us then is how do I ask for freedom? The first one is very simple. Now, these are going to be simple Deep truths. Sometimes the simplest answers in life are the deepest answers. The first one is to ask Christ. When the sifting takes place, sifting is kind of uh, running out of our own energy and our own f fuel. We're sifted. We're exhausted. We're on the verge of this giving up. We're on the verge of this quitting, pulling the covers over our head, and just staying there. You see, when we sense the sifting, it really is those times and those moments that we ask. You see, when we realize that life gets under the skin and we just can't seem to shake it, 
God has a way by his power to bring us to a place of really understanding. All we have to do is ask. God, I got this green lime suitcase here. It's full of stuff that I never want to see again. And he teaches us how to uh, zip it close. Teaches us how to just give it up. Teaches us how to ask, and he'll help. 1 John 1.9 says, if I, uh, When I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So those things that really cause my right standing with God to be weakened. Not that God becomes weak. Is this that my relationship, my dependency on him becomes a little bit more weak? The second one is believe, is the trust. Believe, this whole trusting John 3.16 is a very powerful scripture, very uh, familiar to a lot, and some don't know it yet. It's uh, trusting him. For God so loved the world, or the green suitcase that uh, always shows up. That uh, he gave his only begotten son, the only son he had, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word believe, to trust, to surrender all to, to give it to him, to just say it's yours. It's trust, believe. When we leave this time of sharing, this time of singing just a little bit, to have a time of prayer together, it really comes down to you and I resolving the fact of, I can't do it. For folks that are new, when we raise our hands, it's us in a quiet way. It's really the heart responding and saying, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And as we surrender our life, he says to believe. You see, what we believe controls our behavior. Hear this whole belief. I, went, I always dreamed of going parasailing. Parasailing has a weight limit. <laughs> 250. And so uh, I showed up there... I'm 290, a little bit over 250, and I found this guy who had a parasailing deal for where you can put tandem, two people there, up to 350 pounds. Well, he was giving me 60. I could do that. <laughs> so I went over there, met the guy. I said, my name's Hal. He said, my name's Joel. I said, Joel, do you think you can put this body up in a parasailing, you know, put me up there? This is about four years ago. And he said, sure, I sure can. Come on. Him and his buddy, we get in this boat, we go out in this rocky thing. It's Pam and I, my wife and I, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, and we go out there. Well, I'm the one that struck out, shut off my mouth, and said, I want to go parasailing. We get out there. He straps on this thing, and he says to me, okay, sir. Now, after a few niceties, he started calling me big man. <laughs> he said, big man, just get on the back of this boat. When I tell you to let go of the rope, let go of the rope. I said, Joel, just a quick question. How far does this rope go? He said, 600 feet. And I'm thinking to my macho self that I didn't sign up for this 600 feet. I thought maybe I'd just fall off the back of the boat, bounce a few times, he dragged me back in. 600 feet, that's 60 stories, Joel. He said, that's right, good math. And I said to him, okay, Joel. And I thought, well, I can't, you know, crumble because my brother-in-law's here. <laughs> now, come on. So I get on the back of the boat, I'm holding on to the rope, and he says, let go. <laughs> let go. I adjust the straps again. He said, big man, let go. <laughs> then he throws in this word. He says to me, big man, trust me, let go. And I let go. And there I went. 600 feet. I don't know if you've ever been parasailing. When you get way up there, 
that boat that you're on is as big as, big as this platform, all of a sudden goes whoop, <laughs> becomes a Tonka toy. <laughs> and you got this line that gracefully goes like this. It starts out with this cable, but I think somewhere in there you use this rope, and you, you get up there, and it gets real quiet. I can't hear Joel say big man. I can't hear him say anything. All I hear is that rope going ee, 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 ee. <laughs> Well, you see, moments of decisions really come down to this guy Peter and the sifting and the green suitcase. It really comes down to in those quiet moments when all you hear is your own heart beating in your throat. And the thought came to me, Hal, you just met Joel an hour ago. And you trust him with your whole life, your whole future, and everything about you. And the thought came to me, I made you. I am God, and there's none like, like me. And I ask you to let go. I ask you to trust me. And you're afraid. And you have a hard time with it. And all you want to do is just argue with me about it. Just let it go. I'm going to tell you, that's a moment of decision. That's the moment when we zip up the lime green suitcase and we put it aside and we don't care what anybody thinks anymore because we have made a decision to let go and trust him. The third one is confess. John, excuse me, Romans 10, 9 says, If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved or you will have this Following relationship with Jesus Christ is what it means. You have made a spiritual decision not to, be, not to let everything sift you and pull you out and pull you aside, but really to let go and say, God, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to follow you. I want to take my lime green suitcase, take my faults, take my lack of ability to talk properly, take whatever those things are, my indebtedness, my hurt, my education, my everything's going great, my life is better than it's ever been. Take all those things and help me follow you. It really comes down to this confessing. Uh, July the 3rd, 1971, I was uh, sitting on my front porch and a couple guys came walking by, Rich and Steve and guy we called Shorty. And uh, they came walking by. And I was sitting on the front porch, and they started to talk to me. They said, Hal, we'd like to tell you a story. They started telling me the story of how to be a Christ follower. Well, that was about 8 o'clock at night, 4 o'clock on July the 4th, 1971. I said to him, I want to accept this Christ. I want to ask him to forgive me. I want to ask him to take away my anger, my hurt, my disappointment. I, I just want to ask him to do that. And uh, they said, oh, we're going to pray with you. So they prayed with me. On July the 4th, 1971, 38 years ago, I gave my heart to Christ. And what made the difference is I surrendered to him, and the whole time he was waiting for me. He was right there. You see, that's real freedom, that you don't have to deal with the green suitcase anymore. And when things come back up, God has zipped them closed. Let's pray. So band is going to play in just a moment, and we're going to get an opportunity to give the blessing of giving. I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you for the opportunities you give us. Thank you for striking a note in our heart. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for that you uh, love us and you made us, that our life can live to be lived abundantly, full of peace in this world, joy that only the Savior can bring, and that our hope that will set us free.
that we will be free from the pain, from our past hurts, from the things that we don't understand, free from anger, free from bitterness, free from confusion by just the asking. 